At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is The Edge with Jonathan Von Tobel and Matt Humans on VSIN, the sports betting network. What up? Welcome in. It is The Edge here on VSIN, the sports betting network. What I hope is your favorite show. It's my mom's favorite show. We got a lot to get to here on the program coming up. In 15 minutes from now, Doc Kaya is going to join us, PFF, NFL national reporter. Got a lot to get to when it comes to the divisional round this coming weekend, including a big, big, big piece of news for the Cincinnati Bengals. Terry Hendrickson is going to play this weekend. So we'll get to that and why that matters for the Cincinnati Bengals in their matchup against the Tennessee Titans. But Wes Reynolds is alongside here today. Wes, uh, the thing that I needed to do in 22 seconds, I did it in 22 seconds. So we're all good to go here. Let's talk a little college hoops, buddy. But first, let's go back to last night because I thought there were some interesting results. Uh, Mainly at the front end, though, what'd you make it? So the NBA is known as a make or miss league. Yes. I think basketball is just kind of a make or miss sport. Mm -hmm. Case in point, when you're not hitting your threes, well, sometimes you lose to Marquette when you're playing at home. And that would be Villanova. So what what have you made up to Villanova? And Because I don't want to focus so much on the loss last night because uh, Wildcats did go down uh, yesterday. Uh, to Marquette. That was a home game for Villanova, 57-54. Marquette hits a, uh, call it, was it a buzzer beater with like 11 seconds left yes. to go uh, for Daryl Morsell? But Villanova takes this loss, and I'm really curious what you think of this because when you look at Villanova in the big picture, they kind of represent a team that is really relying on their jump shooters. Yeah, absolutely, and they're 6-24 from three last night. And look, I want to put some respect on Marquette's name here because I think that they've been playing very good basketball. Shaka has them pressing, doing a little bit of that havoc, even though this was a Villanova game last night. Villanova is one of the slower-tempo teams in the country. I believe they are now like 355 or 356. Yeah, it is 355. Marquette is 42nd in the country, so this played at Villanova's pace. Yeah. But nevertheless, Marquette gets the win. That's the first team to win in the Finneran Pavilion, actually, since uh, Butler did it in uh, February 2017. Chris Holtman's last year before he went to Ohio State. That Butler team got to the Sweet 16. So, look, Marquette, all of a sudden, they're kind of figuring things out. You know, new coach, a little bit erratic, uh, had a bad month of December, lost four in a row. And now they've won five in a row, including a big win over Seton Hall on Saturday, the win last night. And I think that that's a good sign for this Marquette team going forward, the fact that you can get an opponent that dictates the pace and that you still can win games and you still can grind it out because it's not Marquette. It proves that they're not predicated on just speeding it up, getting a lot of turnovers. They only got 10 turnovers from Villanova last night, but nevertheless, Marquette gets a big win. Yes, Uh, and um, we'll see what Villanova in terms of like tournament time 
they're a dangerous team. They're a small team, but a dangerous team in that uh, if they start shooting very well. They've still got but, experienced oh, guards yeah. with Colin Gillespie. I think this team is going to be fine. Look, they lost last night, but going into this, I believe they had a six-game winning streak because everybody thought when they were 7-4, and four, oh, gosh, it's panic time in Philadelphia. But look at who they lost to. They lost at UCLA in overtime. Mm-hmm. They lost to Purdue, who looked like they would be a number one seed as of today. Baylor certainly would be a number one seed. That disaster game, 57-36, then they lost at Creighton. That's a tough place to win. Now, if you noticed when Wes Reynolds said the word Purdue, there was a little venom in the voice there. Because there, uh, there, there's a little bit of heat there. there there's a little bit of heat. Because we get a big matchup in Bloomington today. Indiana. Is that why you're wearing the red? What's going on? It is. Yeah, it is. Of I don't have a red is. jacket. I need is. to get like an old red jacket or one of those old night Bob Knight plaid red jackets that he wore in the late 70s. Assembly Hall over in Bloomington, Indiana, catching three and a half totals at 140 and a half. Now, we do or we are going to hear from Matt Humans later today. We have a best bet on this game from one Matt Humans. Mm-hmm. He tends to get involved to, in Purdue games for some reason. I don't know why. You can probably guess where Humans is going with this, and I would assume that you mirror the sentiments of one Matt Humans. But what do you make of the Boilers on the road laying three and a half? I do mirror the sentiments. I have not played this though as of yet. I do lean Indiana in in this situation. Look. Mike Woodson coming back, the old player coming back to his alma mater. This is a big game for him because Indiana has not beaten big. Purdue in five years. Archie Miller went 0-8 against Purdue. So uh, cue the uh, Bob Knight rant. Go look at it on YouTube. He's sick and you know what, tired of losing to Purdue. So, you know, this is a huge game, I think, for Woody and the new staff at Indiana. And plus... What they've got to avoid here, though, is that Trace Jackson Davis, if you watch that Monday game at Nebraska where the Hoosiers got the win, did Mm -hmm. not cover by about a half a point in the end. Trace Jackson Davis took a hard fall about seven minutes left to go, fell on his hip, did not practice on Tuesday. It is said that he is going to go tonight, but Mike Woodson also said the South Florida transfer, Michael Durr, their other big man on the roster, who kind of is a spot minute guy, you know, five to maybe ten minute a game player is going to have to play more minutes, but I thought he was going to have to play more minutes tonight anyway, because of Purdue's twin towers with Zach Eady, all seven foot four of them, who, by the way, if you watch that Purdue game on Martin Luther King day, the early game against Illinois, he really ate up Kofi yep. Coburn and, and really, I think took it to him. Travion Williams, of course, has taken a bench role to be kind of the super six man for Purdue as a senior, not always easy to do when your ego gets kind of bruised like that, but he's been willing to do that. I want to see if this goes up a little bit more because I think that there's a little bit of uneasiness about Trace's injury. I think Trace is going to go and then Race Thompson obviously has to be big down low. It's pretty much three and a half. There is a four and a half showing currently at BetMGM. That's the market high. So obviously shop around, but you know, Indiana's defense has been really good, and it's going to have to be good tonight. And Purdue's defense has not been as good. No, I was going to bring that up. Is. And for me, like, that was where I stood on this, where if you look at Purdue in the last few games, and actually starts with that game against Nichols State, Nichols State actually had an offensive rating that game, 123.2. Mm-hmm. Right? They, they scored 90 points in that game against Purdue. And since then, we saw that game against Penn State, where Penn State was really feisty right at home, mm-hmm. and they actually had a pretty good offensive night. You know, their best game conference-wise defensively has been Nebraska, where they held down 
on the Huskers. But other than that, you know, this Purdue defense has not been performing well. My question would be, yeah, your team has a penchant for turnovers. It's, they it's, do. It's, it's, it's up there in terms of the turnover rate for Indiana. But this isn't a great Purdue defense. Yeah, they don't turnovers. really pressure you yeah. a lot. I mean, they usually play solid man-to-man, but they're only 69th nationally in terms of defensive uh, efficiency. But they are first in offense, uh, 58.5 effective field goal percentage. They shoot 40% as a team from the three. Obviously, when you have a 6'10 and a 7'4 guy, you're going to shoot well at the rim, 57.1% from two. So, you know, it's a big step up for Indiana. I like the situation for them. I want to see if I can get a little bit more, so I'm going to wait closer to tip off. Uh, If the screen is accurate, there is a rogue four and a half out there, and there's also a four sitting on the screen right now. So we'll see what the market does. Yeah, BetMGM, by the way, has the four and a half. Yep, and um, the total, big dropper here from 144.5 to 140.5, I would think. A read on that total would tell me that uh, this is going to be more in Indiana's ball court. Not yeah, literally, but yeah, you, know. you you would expect. I think Indiana is running a little bit more of a deliberate tempo than Purdue. Still trying to figure it out offensively. Defensively, they've been very good. Third in the country in effective field goal percentage. That's part and parcel of the fact that they played a pretty weak non-conference schedule. New coach, some new transfers in the program. So I'm not necessarily mad at that schedule, but this is obviously the best team they have faced all year. Part and parcel. That's a good one. All right, let's go to the best team in the country by the rankings, Gonzaga, because everybody in front of them kept losing, mm-hmm. is the number one team in the country now. And this is, while many people might not think so, a very big matchup with San Francisco later tonight. San Francisco um, on the road against the Zags right now catching 16 with a total of 159. Uh, the Of course, this is going to be, it seems like, on the surface, a pretty high-scoring affair. While San Francisco is not insanely quick since they've gotten into conference play, that's really picked up against some of their conference opponents. They'll also shoot the lights. They will shoot mm-hmm. a lot of threes. Mm-hmm. Gonzaga's uh, tops in the country in terms of pace. So this seems like it's going to be an up-and-down affair. Zags laying 16 against a legitimately good offensive team in San Francisco. Uh, it is an interesting matchup here between these two. And I want to make sure as well, let's see if I get this correct. Yeah, this is up to 15 and a half. Uh, up from 15 and a half, and in some spots as high as 17 in favor of Gonzaga. And that's where I jumped in on the Dons here, yep. so more on that in best bets. And look, what was Gonzaga against BYU last week? What were they, about 15, if you recall? I think they were around that range, yep. and they drummed BYU and toyed with them. I'll tell you in a second. And, and then beat Santa Clara pretty easily this weekend. So I think you're getting a little bit of an extra tax here. San Francisco did lose both meetings last year. They got beat by 39 yep. last year, so a little bit of revenge in mind, you would think. They closed Todd 14 Golden's and club. a half. 14 and a half, and I think they won by like tw- at least 25. Yeah, it was 110 to yeah. yeah, so look, Gonzaga, uh, you know, they can surrender the threes here according to shot quality. Uh, Bouye and company, they like to go off the dribble, and they like to shoot a lot of threes, as you mentioned. They've got a little bit of size, too, in San Francisco. Usually, you know, teams against Gonzaga and teams in the West Coast Conference do not have much side, but San Francisco's got a couple bigs down there and a couple guys they bring off the bench. Patrick Tape, who is a former Duke player, transferred into the program. So they've got guys that can get rebounds here. And look, Gonzaga, what they always do, they always try to establish Drew Timmy, and then they set up the perimeter, and then they yep. get into running and gunning. USF has lost two of their last four, but they were against two quality teams, BYU and Loyola Chicago. I've watched USF a few times this season. I think that they are a tournament team. You're going to get multiple bids out of this West Coast Conference, and there was talk of maybe four. Maybe four is a little bit optimistic, but certainly USF is in the mix. BYU's in the mix. St. Mary's is in the mix, and of course, Gonzaga is going to be a number one seed, but I thought this number was a little bit high. I would expect a very good effort out of the Dons. This is a 
huge game for them. And then when you get, you know, what you, if you want to call it like a conference rivalry, but when they've kind of toyed with the team mm-hmm. a little bit, maybe you get some complacency. And that's what you always worry about with Gonzaga now that they're in this West Coast Conference schedule because they play such that non, tough non-conference schedule. Look, played Texas, played UCLA, played Duke, played Alabama, played Texas Tech, that it's almost like a come down. So can you keep that sense of urgency going? But so far, so good. If you look in the three games, 117 against yep. Pepperdine, 110 against BYU, 115 against Santa Clara. Don's going to have to score some points, but I think that they will. Good matchup to watch, too. San Francisco, a really good team at running shooters off the line. And Gonzaga doesn't take a lot of threes in terms of frequencies of attempt, but they're a good three-point shooting team. And, and they get a lot of them in transition, too. Yep. Because, But but the Dons, I think, I want to see how they play this tonight. They are third in adjusted tempo, so I don't think Golden's guys are going to be bashful about going up and down. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Get replays of all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to vcin.com slash podcast. You get beating the book with Gail Alexander, Market Insight. Josh Applebaum, Hardwood Handicappers with me, JVT. New episode tomorrow. Dieter Kurtenbach is going to join us out of the Bay Area. Discuss the Warriors' month-long slump. we got a lot on the awards race, too. My guys in the desert, follow the money, Coast to Coast Hoops, and many more. All free and available now. Go to vcin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. On the other side, we get to divisional round. Doug Kayette of PFF is going to join us next. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Edge on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Join the playoffs action with the Supercuts Fantasy Super Series. Play free fantasy football and basketball in this eight-part contest series and compete for a cut of $45,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Supercuts now to get in on the action. It's not just any haircut. It's Supercuts. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, let's welcome in um, Doug Kide, who's nice enough to give us a couple minutes here, national reporter for Pro Football Focus. And, Doug, uh, we appreciate it. I, I kind of wanted to start uh, with the – I think some people call it the most boring game. I'm interested in Cincinnati and Tennessee. Uh, but how big is this that Trey Hendrickson is going to be back here on the field and that he is going to play their best pass rusher leader in terms of sacks against an offensive line that has not been great in terms of pass pro? 
Yeah, I think it's really big. I was actually talking to Jesse Bates, the Bengals' safety, earlier this season, and he gave me a good line. He said that you know if you've got your quarterback and if you've got a pass rush, you're going to be pretty good in the NFL. And the Bengals certainly have their quarterback in Joe Burrow, and they've got their pass rush in Trey Hendrickson and Sam uh, in uh, in Sam Hubbard. So getting Trey Hendrickson back in there uh, definitely makes things a lot more difficult for the Tennessee Titans. Doug's second game on Saturday is going to be the 49ers and the Packers line about five and a half couple sixes left out there but it's been pretty much Green Bay support early of course they have the bye week against San Francisco who tried to kind of kind of crap it away down the stretch there in Dallas but uh, Dallas uh, went ahead and said hold our beer so San Francisco going to Green Bay. Green Bay's weakness is stopping the run, though, and San Francisco has a very creative running attack under Kyle Shanahan. How do you think that this one is going to play out? Do you think the 49ers are going to be able to control the clock? I think the 49ers have the ability to keep it close, and it's just because of that that rushing attack, because of the Kyle Shanahan offense. We got, he's got Mike McDaniel working in there with him. I, I see this game being close, and I think that people saw the line moving I think a little bit earlier in the week and we're wondering if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play in this game. It certainly looks like that at this point. Certainly doesn't look like they're going to have to be uh, starting Trey Lance there at quarterback. So now I I think that the 49ers have the ability to keep this game close against the Packers, even if the Packers do, you know, seem to to have a big advantage in this game. I think everyone thought the the Cowboys were going to win as well. So I I like the 49ers to keep this one close. So here's my problem, Doug, when it comes to the San Francisco 49ers, maybe you can expand on this a little bit more. You know, I don't really trust their secondary and I think it was your colleague Steve Palazzo on his podcast who brought up you know, a great number which was I think their bottom 10 in terms of EPA per play defensively on throws 10 or more yards downfield like it's a secondary that's susceptible to big plays what's that matchup look like in your mind like Aaron Rodgers being able to find some chunk plays against the secondary yeah, I mean, obviously, Devontae Adams is a major threat there for the Packers at wide receiver. I, you know, it, I think it helps the 49ers a little bit. Though it looks like Marquez Valdez-Scantling is probably not going to play in this game. Uh, he's doubtful with a back injury. So then you're talking about Packers targeting, you know, Devontae Adams, obviously, Alan Lazard. But there's just not a whole lot beyond that. So I know it, it sounds easier than it is to say, okay, you just limit Devontae Adams and then, you know, make Aaron Rodgers throw everyone else. It's obviously not that simple, but I do think that, you know, if a guy like Marquez Valdez-Scantling is out of this game, it does make things more difficult uh, for Aaron Rodgers to, to be able to move the ball through the air. At what point in this game do you think Jimmy Garoppolo pulls to Jimmy Garoppolo and starts to kind of, you know, fumble this away just a little bit, huh? Uh, yeah, you know, he, he's always good for, for one of those. I, I You know what? Maybe it's my New England ties. Maybe it's the fact that I was there when Jimmy Garoppolo was drafted. I think that Jimmy Garoppolo is a little bit unfairly maligned. But, uh, yeah, he, he does always seem to make one of those boneheaded plays that makes you wonder what he's doing out there. All right, let's go to Sunday then. Los Angeles Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I, I made an emphatic case, and I have also about it, uh, that the Rams actually, I think, match up relatively well with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Part of that, though, is the injury situation, not only along the offensive line. We know about the absences at the wide receiving core for Tom Brady and the Bucs. But, you know, the last two years for Tom Brady as a Buccaneer, he's lost both matchups to this Rams team. What, what is it about this defense that has bothered the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the last two seasons, both with Jared Goff, of course, as quarterback on offense, and Matthew Stafford this year? Because the, the numbers have been kind of surprising. They haven't been able to run the ball at all against this front seven of the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, the, the Rams just have a, a lot of talent in there, and obviously it makes things even more difficult when you add Von Miller into the mix, and then Odell Beckham Jr. is, uh, you know, succeeding on, on offense as well. I'm with you that that I, I kind of like the Rams in this matchup, and it just makes you wonder, 
how much Tom Brady can overcome, especially on offense and against a, a tough Rams defense that has a lot of smart players in it, a good coach in Raheem Morris that's kind of tied that unit all together this year. And it really, it does, it goes back to those injuries. And I, I think that for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, to win this game and to really, you know, excel against that Rams defense. It's got to be a big game for Rob Gronkowski. You know, the, the bigger names in that offense, I guess, uh, were Chris Godwin uh, and Mike Evans. Obviously, Mike Evans still healthy. But the guys that Tom Brady was really trusting earlier this season were Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski. Antonio Brown, obviously gone. Rob Gronkowski is still in the mix. So I'd look for him to have a big game if the Buccaneers can win this one. So, Doug, uh, moving over for the Rams offense. And I'm really surprised that the line has stayed where it is because you thought all the kind of public consensus or media consensus would really be on Tampa Bay here because Matthew Stafford finally won his first playoff game in his NFL career. But about this L.A. offense, uh, do you think you're going to see the running game even get better here against Tampa Bay, even as good as they are uh, defending the run? But they finally got Sony Michelle back with Cam Akers. So the Rams, for the first time all season, really has a one, have a one-two punch in the backfield. Yeah, they really do. And I thought that Cam Akers looked really good out mm-hmm. there in the wild card round for a guy who had, you know, torn his Achilles five and a half months beforehand. He was way faster than I thought he would be. I think he might have even, you know, it looked like he might have cut some weight out there as well. And if anything, looked maybe even faster. So, you know, he played, I'd also say, more than I expected him to in that wild card round game. And I think that as they get more comfortable having him on the field, he's just a more explosive player than Sonny Michelle. You know what you have in Sonny Michelle. He's going to gain yardage. He's not going to lose much. He's going to fall forward. He's that safe back who can, you know, read the blocks in front of him. But Cam Akers is that big play threat. I think that just really does add another element into the Rams offense. Doug Kide with us. All right, let's go to Sunday night then. Buffalo, I guess it's not Sunday night. It's like Sunday afternoon for us out here. Uh, but Buffalo catching one and a half with a total of 53 and a half on the board right now. So let's let's look at this from Josh Allen's perspective. I mean, does he carry that over? He was immaculate against the New England Patriots. The game was perfect for that Buffalo offense. And, and I'm not entirely sure, Doug, that the, the issues that we saw from Kansas City defensively at the beginning of the year are all gone because we saw some flashes that against Cincinnati. Yeah, there certainly were were some issues there against Cincinnati uh, before the the regular season ended, but I wouldn't expect Josh Allen to be as good as he was against the Patriots, if only because he was essentially perfect against the Patriots. He had one of the the greatest playoff performances uh, for a quarterback of all time in that game against the Patriots. And I'm not quite sure what was wrong with the Patriots defense in that game. If it was just the, the, you know, the COVID situation that they had at cornerback, just getting banged up throughout the season. Uh, But I wouldn't expect anything really even close to what Josh Allen did against the Patriots only because it was so good. So I think that, you know, he, he has to play out of his mind in this game. Uh, he, he can't get lucky by, you know, throwing a pass away and having Dawson Knox, uh, you know, landing in the end zone with it. Those types of things just aren't going to happen. I don't think against this chiefs defense. So I, I have a little bit more faith in the chiefs in this one. I know the bills are, are really riding hot right now. Uh, they finished the season strong, but it, it just, I, I, I don't, I think this chiefs team is the team to beat. 
Doug, one of the narratives that we've heard all season, of course, is that the Bills laid the blueprint for the rest of the league to go ahead and play those two high safeties, force Mahomes to throw it underneath, force him to run the ball. But nevertheless, over the last eight weeks, the Chiefs number one in offensive DVOA in the National Football League. Do you expect from a Chiefs offense standpoint, from a game plan, that they're just going to do what they do and what they've been doing? Or do you expect them to go a little more run heavy here against the Bills? No, I think that they'll continue to do what they do. I I don't think that they have complete confidence yet in that run game. I mean, Jarek McKinnon looked good in the wild card round, but I'm not sure if they can really bank on that against the Bills defense. But it's interesting. When, when Patrick Mahomes was really struggling earlier in the season, I reached out to the so- source on the Chiefs just to say, you know, is there something else going on here? Is it, you know, injury related? Is there some sort of personal matter? And he basically said, no, you know, defenses have adjusted to him, but he was confident that Patrick Mahomes would readjust. And that's what happened so far. I will say that the Bills have a really talented safety uh, core there. It- pretty much unlike anything else that you'll see in the NFL. Uh, we saw Micah Hyde make an incredible interception against Mac Jones. So, you know, despite the fact that Patrick Mahomes has adjusted well, there's not a lot of secondaries or at least safety duos that he's played in the NFL like the Bills have. Doug Kite, NFL reporter over at PFF. Doug, thank you for the time today. We appreciate it, sir. Absolutely. Anytime. You got it. And we talked about this earlier in the week, Wes, when you weren't with us. But just to reiterate, you know, you talk about dropping guys back against uh, Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. Weeks 1 through 13, completion percentage 64%, yards per attempt 2.9, turnover worthy play rate of 3.1%. Weeks 14 through the wild card weekend against uh, drop back coverage, right? Everybody going back, nobody blitzing. 69.9% completion, 7.9 yards per attempt, 12 touchdowns to one interception for Patrick Mahomes. And not surprised that Reed and company were able to make adjustments there because, like I was asking Doug there, that was the narrative. Two high safeties, you know, that's how you got to play these guys. Eventually, good coaches are going to figure it out. Oh, and Mahomes has been picking it apart lately. All right, we'll come back. We've got plenty left to get to in the world of hoops, both professional and college. We also have best bets as well. It's the Edge here on VSIN. is the edge on VSN, the sports betting network. Welcome back to Cigarette of the Edge is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen America's number one nicotine pouch is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zen. So head on over to zen.com slash find to locate a store near you at zyn.com slash find. This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. All right. So Wes is on uh, cloud nine because not only do his Hoosiers play today, but uh, oh, no, never mind. I miss. I thought that there was going to be like a Pacers yellow type coat, uh, but that is not the case. Your Pacers last night. No, mm-hmm. Karis LeVert last night, <laughs> 22 points in the fourth quarter. And the Indiana Pacers come storming back and end up beating the crap out of Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers, it's falling apart. Mm-hmm. Frank Vogel is allegedly getting fired because I don't mm-hmm. know why. He had to bench Russell Westbrook yesterday, but then makes the quizzical move of putting Carmelo Anthony in there so he can defend in clutch minutes. There was a wonderful sequence in that game. I don't know if you saw this in the game or on Twitter where Carmelo Anthony's defensively at the top of the key. Yes. And he like he's defending 
and for some reason turns around towards the basket and like runs two feet away from this guy from his guy. I think it was Karis Levert, and they <laughs> they threw it back to Levert. They're like, "Screw it, dude, shoot it." One eleven to one hundred four. The final score. I've always been a Carmelo defender too, but yeah. he was brutal last night defensively, and it almost would be poetic. And I'm not rooting for this, by the way. If uh, Frank Vogel gets done in in his final game with the Lakers, if it would be to his former team, the Pacers, who shouldn't have fired him in the first place, by the way. So one eleven one hundred four. If you watch that post game show on the Lakers Network with James Worthy uh, with his head on the desk, uh, looked like a funeral up there with Chris McGee and Robert Ory and James Worthy on the post game. Nevertheless, uh, now the come Lakers, around on their post game show. Yeah, now the Lakers though they start the Grammy trip, even though there's no Grammys in the Staples Center, but that's always uh, scheduled here early in the year. So now they go to the road. I believe they'll take on Orlando to start that trip on Friday. Speaking of the Pacers, though. Damanis Sabonis uh, ruled out with an ankle injury tonight in Golden Ooh, State. Uh, they are the nightcap on the short NBA card tonight. Golden State currently 11 and a half to 17 and a half. Doesn't look like the news has hit the market yet. I would fully yeah. expect an adjustment. I, I, I was going to say that that's, uh, that is something impactful that you'd expect to get this like 12 and a half or so mm-hmm. uh, in the news that Sabonis is not going to be available. So I, I wanted to touch because it's a short slate and there's one really good game, which we'll, we'll talk about, which is Phoenix and Dallas. But there are a couple of things from last night that I think are definitely worth hitting on. First off, it's so it was a really big card last night in the NBA. The guys at the top of the board in terms of MVP, right, to win the award, mm-hmm. the performances that these dudes put on last night. Right, because out of the top seven, uh, five of them were in action. So it was Giannis, it was Jokic, it was Embiid, Morant, and DeRozan. Holy crap, dude. Like some of the way these dudes performed yesterday. Giannis Antetokounmpo yesterday against uh, the John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies. 33 points, 15 rebounds, 7 assists on 48% shooting. Morant matched him with 33 points, 8 rebounds, and 14 assists on 44.4% shooting. How about Jokic yesterday in the comeback against the Los Angeles Clippers? They won that game in overtime. 49 points, 14 rebounds, 10 assists. And that incredible pass to Aaron Gordon. Which was the final assist. Yeah, 1.9 left in overtime where Denver got the winning bucket on the Clippers. 4% shooting from the floor for Jokic. Embiid yesterday uh, got burned because I bet that game over the total. It's kind of trending in that direction by halftime, right? In-game total was floating around like 213 or so. 45 points in the third quarter from the Philadelphia 76ers. Part of for the game, 50 points, 12 rebounds, and two assists from Joel Embiid last night. Shot 73.9% from the floor. And then you get to DeRozan, who led the Chicago Bulls to victory. 30 points, two rebounds, and seven assists on 58.3% shooting. The race is nuts, dude. You and I, I think, thought that the Bulls, once they made those deals, it's like, okay, they're trying to make the playoffs this year. They're doing some improving. And then I think some thought, okay, it's a bust. You know, it didn't work out. But all of a sudden, you got the Bulls at the top of the Eastern Conference. And I think both you and I thought that they were going to be better this year. Maybe kind of on that range of like the four or five or something, yeah. but number one in the Eastern conference, I still continue to marvel at this team, by the way, uh, I believe ball. Uh, what was the injury update? Yeah, on he's got, he's, he's going to have, yeah. And that's part of the other thing I wanted to bring up here with uh, Chicago. It's going to be six to eight weeks, potentially the absence uh, for Lonzo ball who had to undergo a procedure uh, for, I want to get this right. I don't know what body part it was for Lonzo Ball, if I remember correctly. But regardless, this is going to be a surgical procedure for Lonzo Ball. and um, So it's going to be a lot yep. of Kobe White having to step up. And, and I did, actually, and I mistimed it. It was four to six weeks. He's going to need four to six weeks to return, not six to eight. Um, well, see, here's the, actually, this is what's interesting. So Sean Sharanya has reported that it is six to eight weeks. Um, Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting that it is four to six weeks. So regardless... 
we're going to be missing, missing Lonzo Ball for a minute, who's a good defender, a good shooter, and the Bulls, kind of to what the big picture is here for Chicago. Their defense had been falling off. Alex Crusoe finally comes back last night, so that helped them in the win over the, uh, the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. But you start to wonder if the slip is starting to come in the standings because they've been yeah. playing way all over their head. But I got to say that I got a ticket on DeMar DeRozan at 66-1 to to win MVP. This guy, man, continues to perform. And if they're going to win that first overall seed, given all of the attrition yeah. they have gone through, remember Patrick Williams, of course, missing time mm-hmm. because of Zach injury Levine too. still yep. out. Uh, this is going to be uh, – it's interesting to watch. But look at, like, all of these guys. So majority of them played yesterday outside of Curry and Durant, and they all performed. They mm-hmm. all performed. It was incredible. I guess we'll talk about LeBron James, who at the end of the game made sure he scored a bucket so he could <laughs> so he could have 30 points. But, he, uh, want, he wanted no part of that question. He was asked about Russell Westbrook. By the way, great line, great shade from Frank Vogel at the end when they asked him why they benched Russ in the fourth quarter. He goes, I played the guys that I thought were going to be best position to help us win the game at the end. So a little shade toward Russ. But uh, Frank's about to take the fall out there in Los Angeles. Yeah, so and I also wanted to address one more thing. And this is, this is on me. I should have shown you this clip before um, before the show started. One of the things that has emerged, Wes, on like, and it's like gambling Twitter, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to the NBA, it's a big thing. And I'm going to show, I'm going to hand my laptop to you so you can watch this. I'm going to get your thoughts on the play that I'm talking about here. But it's been tweeting at NBA stats. Watch that play. Watch that play. Be a professional. Grab my laptop. Come on. Okay. There you go. Watch okay. the play. All right. So one of the things that has really emerged has been tweeting at NBA stats. We need a stat correction, mm-hmm. right? Because a, and player props are absolutely – they're extremely popular. We, there's been rare instances in which there has needed to be a stat correction. Now, the playing question that I'm showing you is from the Milwaukee-Memphis right. game well, yesterday. Now, what's happening is Bobby Portis, right, his rebounds prop said it. I think it was nine and a half. It was part of a prop out there. A lot of people had the same prop. Yeah. Um, he fell at nine rebounds, right? So the play that I'm showing you is a transition play, which Bobby Portis gets the ball in transition, puts up a shot attempt. What seems to happen is he goes to put a tip in, mm-hmm. back in, mm-hmm. ultimately doesn't hit, gets another rebound, right, to the eye, yeah. and then puts it back. Here's a problem. If you watch it, the tip is clearly him just pinning it up against the glass and in between the rim. Yeah. It's not a tip attempt. It's not a rebound. Yeah. So it shouldn't count. But we have all these people being like, you got to change this. I would just say, and I'm going to ask you if you think I'm correct in my assessment of this, because I think we've got to pump the brakes on, like, every time a prop barely cashes, we're tweeting at NBA stats and trying to get this trending because this has to be corrected. This is not one of those instances. Guys, yeah, this is sports betting. Every single night, there's some kind of bad beat or there's some kind of, like, shaky call or something confusing. I mean, I don't have a problem if they call it a rebound because technically he got his hand on the ball. But it wasn't like an actual shot attempt where he really tipped it toward the rim. And, you know, it was actually kind of under the rim. So I didn't know if it necessarily, if to qualify for that, if that has to get up above the cylinder or you have to actually have control of the ball. But Nevertheless, you get a lot of these uh, folks that bet these props. I I do not do a ton of NBA props, except like in the playoffs, because obviously fewer games, you know, smaller options in terms of uh, betting sides and totals. So I have to get in the props a little bit more. But yeah, they, uh, this that's how uh, gambling Twitter works. It is a cesspool sometimes, JVT. Oh, that's a negative. I just feel like, you know, it's a lot. Uh, like it feels like there's very often I'll get like something sent to be like, hey, do you think that this is a rebound or do you think this is an assist? Mm-hmm. Or do you think this is that? And it's like, I like where there was a there was a Raul Neto play like two weeks ago mm-hmm. where Neto uh, gets a pass from KCP mm-hmm. uh, on the perimeter. He he 
comes in to get the ball and then takes another step toward the basket. It wasn't ruled an assist because, you know, Raul Neto had to come to the ball and then change direction, take an extra dribble, whatever it was. But people are freaking out because it should be an assist. People always think that they're getting screwed by the man. (laughs) You know, they're out to job you if you, you know, you got 20 bucks on a prop or something. So that's not, that's not the case at all. And if there's an error, it will be corrected. By the way, update on that late game tonight. The Sabonis news has now hit the market. It is now 13. Also, Brogdon questionable, but he's pretty much questionable yeah. every single game. I never know when Malcolm Brogdon's going to play. Yeah, when well, he he made he came back finally yesterday against uh, yeah. the Lakers, and it, he's been a sore Achilles. I would assume that with a sore Achilles that he has been questionable every single night with and hasn't been able to play through. Mm-hmm. Second leg of a back-to-back, he's probably not going to be available. Yeah, and I think that's starting to get priced in up to 13, pretty much market consensus, 217, 217 and a half on the total. Here's the thing, though. Warriors, um, it has not really been great for them in terms of a cover perspective. They're yeah. only 10 and 14 ATS in the last 14 or 24 games, and Do- the offense has not been good. Do West. you feel like there's opportunities to maybe go against them here right before you go to the all-star break? Because they're now getting into the dog days of the season. They know them in Phoenix and Memphis has gotten up there too. They yep. know that they're going to be up there in contention for the West all year. Yeah, potentially. And they're also working Clay Thompson back in to mm-hmm. alter things. So they got to experiment a little bit, but Steve I, Kerr, with the different lineups and rotations. i got to tell you though, like Curry broke out against the Pistons with his shooting. He's been in over a month long slump with like a poor shooting performance. It's been weird. All right, uh, we'll get to that big NBA game later tonight. We also have best bets on the other side here on the edge. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is The Edge on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back in. It is The Edge here on VSIN, the sports betting network. A reminder for all of you. It is never too early to make plans for the big game. So check out our 56 hours of free coverage for championship weekend. You're going to get all sorts of stuff, of course, during the coverage, betting strategies, big game, betting guide, matchup analysis, betting market insights, all that stuff and more. You can find details and join us. Go to to vcin.com. You can get all the details on our big game betcast, the sixth annual live. Big game betcast. Been here for all six. Loved every second of it, including one which I was probably not supposed to be a part of, but I was here watching the game, and somebody got angry and stormed off the set, (laughs) and I took over. (laughs) 
One of my favorite memories. <laughs> one of my favorite memories. All right. That was, uh, that, that was pre-West era here at Yes, yeah, 56 hours, free video coverage to so check it out. There was also the year, man, we, should, we can reminisce. There was also the year that I was locked in. Brent Mossberger got mad at me, even though it wasn't my fault. I was locked in the, uh, the dungeon downstairs. People don't know this, obviously, but we have like a, a room downstairs, and I was doing reports and reporting on props from downstairs. It was during the Eagles and Patriots Super Bowl, and there was, there was some sort of crazy turnover near the end of that game, if I remember correctly. Right? So there was some yeah. cataclysmic event, but I was on a massive delay. And so, like, I'm talking about it, and I'm like, and it looks like, you know, the Patriots or the Eagles are going to sew this up. And, like, they had turned the ball over, we, like, 10 seconds get, ago. We get that all the time, by the way, Dave Ross and myself on the green zone, because we have uh, reporters, correspondents, yeah. stringers, whatever you want to call them, that do every single game. And sometimes they're on a little delay, and they're talking, and then we're looking at a screen. It's like picked off, pick six, touchdown. And you don't want to interrupt them, so it's like that delicate balance. It's like, okay, where do we break in here without – interrupting our correspondent so it was uh yeah it was it, it was quite the memory that was also the same day that rex byers friend of the show may or may not have gotten too intoxicated <laughs> and cursed in front of and subsequently <laughs> terrified the musburger children downstairs so oh, yeah, it, 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 yeah the memories the memories that we got huh love Re- it Re- rex rex is a good man just uh, just a tough afternoon yeah, it was <laughs> it was it was good maybe a little too many uh, soco and uh, sprites huh all right Let's get to the best bets. Uh, I needed a couple after last night. That's a good transition. Magic 76ers uh, under 213 and a half. That goes over. What a crazy third quarter, man. Betting unders in the NBA. 45 points from the Philadelphia 76ers alone. That game goes over the total. Um, but in the Lakers, minus four and a half against the Pacers. 22 point fourth quarter from Karis LeVert. Not from the Pacers, from Karis LeVert. Lakers blow the game and now everything is in shambles. Russell Westbrook has been benched and uh, Frank Vogel is going to get fired for one reason or another. Don't really know why. Uh, as far as the other games are concerned, I'm sorry, Santos. I was just I was reminiscing about everything. Where are we going after this? Do you want me to go to West or do you want me to go to mine? Oh, here we go. All right, divisional plays. Packers minus five, Rams plus three. I will say this. Uh, I am looking to add, we were talking about this off the air, if that total for Packers and uh, San Francisco mm-hmm. goes under that 47 to 46 and a half, I'll be in on the over uh, 46 and a half, right? That 47, a little bit of a key number there in terms of a total, but uh, I'll go over 46 and a half if it pops up, but it hasn't, so I'm not on it yet. Packers minus five and Rams plus three. You know, we talked about this game a little bit, but we didn't mention the line. So yesterday, right, it was it like the night before. It flashed mm-hmm. to two and a half for a little bit. It seems to be back on its way over there. All those threes out there are right. juiced to the three side, to the underdog side. Yeah, absolutely. And and you got to feel like the general like sentiment has really been to the Tampa Bay side here. But that tells you somebody likes the Rams. You and I, I think you and I are the only ones that have gone on record with the Rams so far. I do like Conviction. that spot as well. Uh, uh, look, I think... You know, maybe getting it, maybe they were getting the monkey off their back a little bit uh, because. I think a lot of people in the market, maybe some of the casual betters kind of think, well, it's just that Arizona was really bad. Santos, cut that clip. He just called Matt Eumann's casual. I'm not calling he, he, Matt yeah, casual. He, he just called him a square. So let's play that I back for not. Matt on Monday. All right, I let's, let's, let's cut are, that. Let's cut there are, that. There are others that are more square around here than Matt Eumann. Oh, more square. So he is square. He's he just is not, not that That square. would be okay. way more. You're, you're, trying to get, you're trying to get me in a little tiff with Matt, and I'm not going to allow that.
<laughs> continue, continue. But anyway, uh, the Rams plus three, like I was saying, I felt that the perception out there was that, okay, Arizona was just so dreadful in that Monday night game where I feel like the Rams didn't get credit. And Doug uh, Kide brought it up earlier. I think having Cam Akers back with Sony Michelle mm-hmm. gives them a one-two punch that they have not had all season because you look at the Rams rushing stats. They're not very good. You know, they're near the bottom half of the league pretty much at every single category. But adding Akers to be more of a home run hitter to a Sony Michelle who can kind of be like your base hit guy, mm-hmm. you know, four or five yards of carry, just move the chains when we need tough yards. And that takes pressure off Matt Stafford. And then I also wonder how long Tom Brady, how, how long can he overcome injuries? And I think maybe the offensive line could be where like the levy breaks, so to speak, for Tampa Bay. Well, so, I mean, they want to look, they want a title, right? And in part, because the team that they were playing had nothing left on the offensive line. Yeah, when and Eric, remember Eric Fisher just, tore right, his Achilles terrorizing was not available, and that absolutely showed in that game. I am on the under 47.5. It was just kind of a numbers play here, and that's basically thinking maybe the 49ers can control the game flow a little bit more because they can run the ball. Packers 27th and rush defense DVOA, but you brought up the point about San Francisco. Even though the secondary has been getting a little bit better, they're number one in the yep. NFL in terms of uh, pass interference penalties and also holding penalties. So uh, college basketball from yesterday, three and two, uh, actually four and three, if you count the uh, first halves there. Georgia Tech at dead side, Texas A&M pretty much right. Georgia almost got there at the end. Probably should have been a flagrant foul called on that last play, and the kid splits a pair of free throws. Georgia didn't get one more attempt. They actually cut it to like 16 at one point, but that game was all Auburn. Auburn number two in the country for a reason. Tom Crean's club is bad. Valpo seven-point lead. They blew it in the final minute, John. So I thought, I'm dead in overtime. You know, when you have the underdog in overtime, that's where underdogs go to die. That did not. Valpo gets the win. They finally had some luck go their way. You and I had been kind of living lucky in these close games. Citadel gets a late bucket, gets in there against Wofford. So overall, four and three yesterday. All right. I like it. So uh, Matt Humans does have plays as well. That we should add in terms of uh, college basketball. He is on your Indiana Hoosiers. Wes Reynolds catching three and a half against Purdue. I think and, eventually and I will be. As I was going to well. say, I know you're actually going to have some on, on both, like some analysis on both of these games. So we'll get to these and your other bets. Uh, and then Air Force catching six against UNLV. Sorry, Sean, but uh, Matt in on the Falcons taking on UNLV. I do kind of lean that side too. Yeah. I have not played it as of yet, but of course, Air Force, you know what they run with, with Scott, you know, that print modified it's the, Princeton, it's the Princeton offense. offense or the pain in the ass offense. If yeah. You want to call it that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we'll see how the young rebels do against it. I mentioned one earlier, San Francisco plus 17 against like Gonzaga. Also have uh, Sam Houston State. Uh, Sam Houston State actually new to the WAC, much like Stephen F. Austin. So they're getting New Mexico State down there, who's kind of been really the king daddy of the WAC for as long as I can go back, back when even Marvin Menzies was coaching there. There are some fives available. I like SHSU at home against New Mexico State. Stephen F. Austin, I got it pick. I think they're now lane one or one and a half. Bryce Drew not going to make the trip due to COVID-19. So I like uh, stone cold Stephen F. Austin at pick him over GCU and then Butler quick turnaround by the way they did play a couple days ago at UConn I believe the final was 76 to 59 so Butler was not really in the game but they've gotten bet at least a little bit early short turnaround at Hankel Fieldhouse uh, Bulldogs really struggle to score in the half court but I could see this being a defensive battle and you just beat a team pretty easily a couple days ago sometimes this could be kind of one of those tricky spots for a team when you just beat them now there are oftentimes too where you're just like better than that other team 
team. So that's, I guess, the concern for Butler. But UConn, you know, finally a little bit healthy. But UConn's got a big game uh, that'll be early next week against Georgetown. So I think the dogs hang in here. Yep. Uh, by the way, that uh, UNLV game, I think part of the reasoning, I would assume, uh, it being a road game for UNLV, Air Force, Colorado Springs has been a tough place to go to in mm-hmm. the Mountain West. Uh, not only like the natural thing in terms of playing up there and, you know, the cliche of altitude and whatnot, but also um, ca- coupled with that offense and yeah. the other factors outside. Uh, Air Force has scored some pretty odd wins throughout the years yeah. at home, even this year, earlier this year, taking out Utah State 49 to 47 at home in a game in which were they, or they were missing like. Four of their five starters or yeah. something ridiculous in yeah. that game against this Utah is State. A t- yeah, 49-47 was the final score. They've lost three since. They lost at CSU, but they were competitive. Yep. Only lost by eight, lost by seven at home to Nevada, and then lost by six at Boise State. So Colorado State and Boise State are at least two of the best three teams in the Mountain West this year. So, you know, Air Force has been playing better ball lately, even though they haven't been winning games. By the way, speaking of uh, CSU, uh, how about the luster that's kind of worn off that program since the since the uh, the long layoff, mm-hmm. right? Because they had to take a big COVID break. Uh, they come out of that and they hey, play Air Force and they barely get by them as a 19 and a half point favorite. Then they get walloped by San Diego State. Uh, they lose that, or excuse me, they win that game against. Uh, Utah State, but they don't cover, and that was nip and tuck down the stretch. They win a cover against San Jose State, and then last night against New Mexico, 16-point favorite, they barely get out of there. Yeah, and 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 look, you see some of these, and we saw that last night with Wyoming, who we think you know is a pretty good team, been playing pretty good ball. San Jose yep. State gets the late cover. I kind of thought, okay, that's a little bit of a tricky spot because they did just win at Utah State and won at Reno. So oftentimes you come back home off two big road wins, you're flat even against a bad team, and I think Wyoming was early yeah, last night. One of the things got to factor in more to my college group handicapping spots, road games, they're much more valuable. And more yeah, games. college is more spot oriented. NBA, I think, is more numbers oriented which you do very well on that. See you guys later. My guys in the desert coming up next. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.